Ladies and gentlemen, in this warm weather that we have these days, I want to thank you for joining us back for the second half of the broadcast. This is Darius D. Fulton with my teammates, Brian Allen, Professor Craig Hawkins. Jared, we thank you for taking care of business. Keep Eric in your prayers, um, our, our screener. And um, we want to continue with the broadcast with more questions and answers from a biblical perspective. If you're so inclined, you have access to the Internet, go right there now while you're on there. If you're on Facebook or if you're tweeting us or if you want to send us an email message or even messenger us, one. just do it at Bible Info Brokers. Bible Info Brokers are the formats. Bible Info Brokers for you to do that. If you want to call right now, we have some open lines at 888-995-5552, 888-995-5552. Now, before we get back into the questions and the, those things we want to answer from biblical perspective, I do want to bring up the, uh, the, the, the thought today, um, I think someone mentioned earlier, about being Palm Sunday. And the significance, I believe, of Palm Sunday is the actual rejoicing and the understanding or the the recognition of um, of a savior coming in in town. And Craig, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, when Jesus rode into town, they were laying laying palms down. I don't know the, the 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 history behind that, but PCH, can you lead from that history and take us from that Palm Sunday to the most important day in the Christian? Um, Economy, if I could use that word, the most important thing in Christendom will be next week, which is our, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection, without which we, our faith is just, just, if I can use the word vain, it is. The Bible talks about that. So, PCH, can you bring us from Palm Sunday to the resurrection, and even though we're going to talk about it next week, um, and the significance of Jesus Christ, that central figure. It's true, but I really won't spend much time on it. It's, although it happened, you know, almost over two, almost two thousand years mm-hmm. ago. Simply, the, it's called the, the triumphal entry of Jesus entry. into Jerusalem, and it's a form of uh, honoring. It's kind of like we you, it's, think of the concept, the idea of red carpet, giving someone the red carpet or yeah. VIP treatment. In other words, you're 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 you are acknowledging your um, a motorcade, like a motorcade, like a motorcade. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh no, not so much that. Okay. You're just basically saying this is an incredibly important person, and mm-hmm. you're paying homage to him like you would to royalty. So okay. that's the idea there. Of course, the same people that uh, acknowledge him <laughs> were the same ones yelling "crucify him" by the end of the week. Right. So uh, I would argue, though, that that little event in Jerusalem almost two thousand years ago has radical significance for us today. And indeed, do want to talk about the resurrection, not just next week, but even tonight, quickly. Sure. And that is, it's, it is the proof that Christianity is true, that Christ was who he claimed to be, that he accomplished what he claimed to do, that he came to atone for our sins, that he paid it in full, that now God the Father accepts us because he accepts Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead because death cannot hold them, because he had not sinned, unlike us. But he pays the penalty for our sins. And it's, therefore, we are obviously radically indebted to him. And that's what it's all about, because people 2,000 years plus later, we're still looking for ourselves, so looking for meaning, significance, purpose, identity, belonging. Uh, what is life all about? What does it mean? Why do we get up and go to work and do what we do? I mean, what, what brings reason, what brings meaning and significance and purpose to life? And that is, we were made for fellowship with God. And that fellowship was broken because of our sins, because of our imperfections. We've been alienated from God. And Christ, in his incarnation that is becoming human, 
living a perfect life, dying and rising, those four together, the, called the passive and active obedience of Christ, is the atonement for our sins. And now one can know that if they trust in Christ, they can have eternal life right here, right now. Not hopefully, not maybe, not, not just wishing, as we're told in 1 John 2, uh, excuse me, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, 12, and 13, that we know that John says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. That is for those who trust in Christ as their Savior. And that's really what it's all about. People are looking for hope. People are looking for purpose. And they try to find it in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and all kinds of stuff. And it never fills. It's like you got it's, it's like pouring water into a, a glass that has a bo- uh, no bottom to it. it the, the water just flows right through it. Just goes right through it. And so it is. We're leaky vessels, to put it mildly. And all the things we do never bring us fulfillment. They never bring ultimate purpose or significance, which everybody wants ultimately. And that is found in a personal relationship with Christ. So this week, Resurrection Week, Resurrection Sunday coming up. After, of course, today, Palm Sunday, or the triumphal entrance. It's all about knowing what God has done for us and, and, and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that God has given us proof. Why? Because he conquers the ultimate enemy, the ultimate thing we all fear, and that's death. There's still one per customer. You can't get out of here alive, should the Lord tarry. But for those who trust in Christ, we pass from death to life. There, the Bible talks about at least two types of death. One is the physical death, which we know about. But there is something worse than physical death, and it is eternal death. Eternal, or the second death. Eternal separation from God, indeed, for just that, all of eternity. And that's why one needs to get right with God here and now. And you don't want to point, uh, put this off. You assume, well, I'm going to live my life, do my thing. Well, you're assuming this life is so great, and the things you're going to be doing are going to bring you fulfillment, and they're not. And you're also assuming you have enough time to repent at the end of your life. And there's no guarantees. Today's a day of salvation. Today, and salvation just means deliverance. Today's a day to get right with God, to come to Christ, to believe on Him, and trust in Him as your Lord and Savior, because what you're looking for is only found in Jesus Christ. The wise person releases all the trinkets and baubles we hold in our hand and embraces Christ and receives his forgiveness, which he gives to us, and that's what this week is all about, and the proof of that by Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Indeed, indeed. Without such, our our Christianity would be vain. And we will talk about that more next week. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two is a number. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two is a number. Every ever the format you can send us a question tonight is Bible Info Brokers Facebook email, tweet or messenger. Brian, you said we had a question from the email on Facebook. Uh yeah. Let me get to it real okay. quick. It and was um, uh, this is from Jenna, and she says uh. Good evening. I had a question regarding the parable of the prodigal son in Luke five, uh, Luke 15. Today I heard a pastor say that this parable is used by Calvinists to excuse actions that abuse God's grace and to support the view of eternal security. He stated that this is a parable of two sons who were lost, non-believers, and in need of salvation. What do you think of this view? How would you interpret this parable? Oh, I think we can read too much into it. I mean, a, a couple things. It may well be, and of course, Jenna, it's good to hear from her. I know she she was majoring in philosophy, so she's still doing that, so I hope that's going well for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, I'm not sure how it proves Calvinism. The view doesn't really prove either view. Um, um, it doesn't, well, either. There's not just two. There's not just Arminianism and Calvinism. There's moderate Calvinism and Lutheranism. So there's at least four views. But be that as it may, it, it, we, sim- uh, we simply see uh, that this this one son goes astray, and yet his and he goes and, and totally indulges in the world, and he ends up just what we were talking about empty. And he finally comes to a senses and goes, "Man alive, my father's hired hands live better than mm-hmm. I'm living." So he comes to his senses. He he comes back to his father. It asks for forgiveness and says, you know, I'm not even worthy to be treated as a son. Just make me a hard hand. But his father, who loves him, you know, embraces him, runs out to meet him, uh, meet meet him, which is something that a, a dignified older gentleman would not do, but he shows his love for his son and welcomes him back. Now, so so I would argue the only thing it really proves to me would be the, of God's great love for us, number one, Number two is that, well, I would argue perhaps he's always a son, even when he goes uh, astray. It doesn't justify his sin, doesn't make excuses for it, but I would argue if one is a prodigal son and daughter, they eventually come to their senses. Christians go out, some Christians, and live in the pigsty for so long. But the mark of the true believer is that they come back, they come to their senses. Uh, and 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 it's by the grace of God. It's a spiritual thing, not just them being smart and going, "Oh, I figured it out." <laughs> it is the work of God, the hound of heaven, bringing them back. But an Armenian could just set them, and you could put that in a Calvinist context. But an Armenian could say, "Well, they lost their salvation and they got it back." You can't really prove either any view from this passage, and even the idea that the the other brother is not a believer, we we don't know that. That's total conjecture. Now, you could say his heart wasn't in the right place. He didn't really seem to care about his brother and didn't understand that his brother was spiritually dead, had really gone off the rails, and he didn't appreciate it. And he may have been a good little legalist and what have you, self-righteous, but we don't know. So I'm not saying it's wrong, per se, to make those type of conjectures, but we need to be careful. Too many times we exegete, we read far more into the passage than it says. Why don't we try reading the lines instead of trying to read in between the lines? And uh, we often we, we think we're really good at you know, really knowing the deep scoop of the text, um, but not because we know the languages and, and insights from the words and the concepts, but just we've somehow got this down low scoop and we know what's going on. We don't know that he wasn't a believer. And, again, was this a believer who was simply living like an unbeliever during the time, or did he lose his salvation? Uh, that has to be decided on other passages. You're not getting this. You're not going to get that out of, out of this passage. What you get is, one more time, is God's great love for this individual. And I believe God shows incredible love towards us Indeed. and his graciousness and kindness and goodness and willing to forgive us. And that's the only thing I can get out of that for sure. And I think we need to be careful. Otherwise, it's just mere conjecture, in my opinion. Well, here's a number you can call in if you have a question of a similar suit. 888-995-5552. 888-995-5552. Take an opportunity to call in now. We have some open lines. Or everything else is Bible Info Brokers, just like that Facebook question there a while ago. Bible Info Brokers for Facebook at our .com website. You can email us a question, tweet, or messenger us questions. Um, let's see here. Guys, let's go back to the telephone then and talk with Carol in Van Nuys, I believe it is. 
Hi. Hi, Carol. Um, I, have, hi I have a question. Um, a few months ago on the radio, I heard a pastor mention and talk about some creatures from the time of Lot called the Anunnaki. I don't know if you have heard of them. He, I, he mentioned they're supposed to be half uh, angel or actually half demon and half human. And I've heard quite a few people ask about dinosaurs and is there Bible evidence of dinosaurs? Let's go to the youngest guy, because back in my day, I don't remember any dinosaurs personally, but I'm just kidding. Uh, PCH, what say you about the dinosaurs? Well, there's evidence of dinosaurs, and, and, and there's fossil evidence. Now, we can debate. Some people try to think those might be mentioned in the book of Job mm-hmm. and uh, Leviathan and Behemoth and that. We're, we're not quite sure. Uh some people think, no, it's a hippopotamus or an alligator or uh, an elephant. We we don't know. But but there's clearly evidence. I mean, otherwise we have to say somehow somebody, the devil, faked these bones and the uh, you know all these various dinosaurs. No, they clearly existed. The question, I guess, would ask, would, did they coexist at the same time as humans? And an ever-evolutionary ever view would say no. And some, like Ken Ham of... Answers in Genesis, and, and he has a, yeah, I know he has a book. I think it's called the, the Dinosaur Answer Book. And he, he gives evidence. He believes that they, they, they over. So that's something one can read for themselves, Carol, and study and, and see what you, what you think there uh, about, about the evidence for that. So, but there, 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 there's clear evidence of dinosaurs. Then the other question and I think you might have asked that previously, or somebody else did. And um, there are uh, there's the pantheon of Babylonian gods, and 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 the ones you've mentioned basically uh, are forms of some of the deities. There's like seven major ones of, of the, the pantheon of Babylonian gods, if you will. Um, so, uh, at any rate. That's where that would come from, but I'm not sure about the rest of your question on 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 them. Uh, what was what was again the question about them, Carol? Um, there was a pastor on the radio mentioning some creatures called the Anunnaki, supposed to be half demon, angel, and half human. Oh, there we go. No, they weren't. No, and, and that's some people try to make a connection between them and the Nephilim or the Anakim. There are the Anakim, which are another giant people. But I've I've been pretty clear on this. Uh, people try to get uh, demonic spirits having relations with human beings in Genesis six four. That's often the context for this. And there's no. This isn't a cult doctrine. It's very common. And while there have been some biblical scholars who hold this view, I find it mythological. There's no evidence. We could debate whether angels can even procreate, but angels, they're not like humans. They were made, apparently, directly by God. And there's no evidence to believe that, that angelic beings, fallen or not otherwise, could even have relations with humans. It's, it's, it's a total assumption, and I would argue uh, falsely at that, this idea that somehow they could have relations. And, uh, and you wonder, and why would this only have happened once in all of history? Why wouldn't it have happened again and again and again? So I find no basis uh, for, we could talk about, you know, what, what the Babylonians believed, and I think of someone like Marduk, the, the, and the, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is a Babylonian creation account, the main god is Marduk. Um, but this idea of humans and angels 
inter, uh, having relations to me is just pure uh, mythology, and, and I believe it's unworthy of, of the Bible. And I know a number of Bible teachers teach it, but I'm, I, I'm a challenger. Where's the evidence for this? And where do you get the idea that angels can have relations with humans? I, I've, I find no biblical warrant for the idea, and I only find it in the occult. So anyways, that's kind of my view on that. Okay. Hey, Carol, thank you very much for your phone call. I really appreciate you calling back in with that. 888-995-5552 is the number. 888-995-5552 is the number. Everything else is Bible Info Brokers, Bible Info Brokers, Facebook, email. Email us those questions, tweet us questions, or messenger us questions. While you're on our website, please navigate around there to see the various things that we have to offer as far as resources. And uh, please take advantage of them, not only now, but also for the future. Guys, before we go to our good friend JR, I'm going to have him take a sip of coffee so he can be bright and alert. But I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about the various things you have going on during the week uh brian i know you were talking about the um the uh, the, the fellowship that's going to be going on at core on saturdays the first and third saturday you mentioned also you have a weekly bible study why don't you tell the people about that please well the weekly bible hadn't hasn't happened in about three weeks because uh, i've been out of commission oh the, oh you that guy that was that been i know craig i knew somebody was missing in here the last couple right. of nine weeks or so go ahead but anyway, it's, it's uh, 7.30 on uh, Wednesday nights, and we should be back back at it this uh, this Good Wednesday. Man. Good man. My voice hasn't left me. So, um, so again, 7.30, they can go to uh, uh, BIBVBS, Bible Info Brokers Virtual Bible Study, and uh, we're going to be dealing with the resurrection this week. Very good. Appreciate that. APCH, and also on Wednesday, I know that you uh, deal with a very outstanding channel called His Channel. It's not yours, not mine, but His Channel, and you deal with questions and answers where people can not only uh, call in on Wednesdays, but they can also call all during the week and leave questions for you to have them for Wednesday. Why don't you tell people about that? Yes, thanks, Daryl. Yes, indeed, on Wednesdays from 1 to 2, Airs on his channel. I do a session of what's called today's Bible Questions. That's on his channel, just literally his channel, H I S channel, dot com dot org. Either way, we'll get you there. And that airs from one to two on Wednesdays. But yeah, you're right, Daryl. People can call the number, and they can ask a question. They well, they would text it at the number, and then they're there, and we attempt to answer them. And I do that on Wednesdays from one to two on his channel. So I want to invite people to listen listen into that and watch that as well. Uh, Craig, I, let me know if I have this number right. I wrote it down. Let me see if I can read my own writing. The number is 714-815-7097. Yes, 8714-815-7097. You just don't want to press on by being able to read my own writing, man. Well, that prevagen's really starting to work, Daryl. Whatever that is, good. <laughs> Whatever that stuff is, triple eight nine nine five 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 two triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Open on this question. Let's go to our good friend that's taking decaf. I hope today because that's the favorite coffee I like. Uh, Jr. from L.A. Brother, thanks for holding on right, and calling in. Let's get this straight. Decaf is not coffee. It is. It is coffee. That's why I say decaf coffee. Coffee. I have to draw the line here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a debate for another show. That's absolutely right. But Jr., are you with us, brother? Go ahead. What's your question? And first of all, how you doing? Yeah, basically, it's on the Book of Acts, chapter two. Acts chapter two. I'm staying awake. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no questions. <laughs> what about mm-hmm. Acts chapter two, uh, Jr.? What's your question about it? 
Yeah, I, I apologize. You guys are great. You guys are not boring. I meant it because I've had a long day and had a cup of caffeine at the laundry. Okay. <laughs> Hey, turn that turn that radio off in the background. Turn that radio off in the background. There it goes. All right, thank okay, you, brother. Thank you. That's, my wife let me borrow her extra cell phone so I can connect you in ten That's what it was. Very good, very good. Now, what is your okay, question again, brother? Yeah, basically, it's on the books of Acts, chapter two. Mm-hmm. Okay, hey, um, we had a special guest uh, from Guatemala today. Here, Hispanic in Spanish. And he's playing the guitar, a great thing and everything. But then he went to a message, and I said, I wrote it down my mind. Chapter 2, uh, I guess he was trying to connect the point about, um, you know, like the apostles and disciples uh, fellowshipping and quinonia and giving, um, you know, bread or something like that. And I said, well, uh, let's, you know, we got to correctly interpret and translate that, you know, um, because he... He took his daughter, uh, you know, to help him with the traveling, the filming, his CDs, and, and his music and everything. So I, I greeted him, I gave him a handshake, and I, and I said, my pops does music as well, you know, mucho gusto, nice to meet you. And, uh, you know, welcome, you know, to uh, visiting. So, yeah. Now, Jay, what, what is your question about that? Is is it a question about, um, is that for all the church people to do as far as what they do in Acts uh, two, if you're talking about around verse 45, the 40th, like, you know, the fellowship of the believers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just fellowship with the believers, whether it's in English or Spanish. And I, myself, you know, um, I, uh, you know, make sure I, uh, well, to them, make them feel as welcome as possible because we, you know, we have a different guest sometimes. Uh, so, um, I tell them about, about the broadcast sometimes, you know, that you connect, just plug in, you know, and, and get a cell phone app to interpret, translate the English into Spanish. You okay. know, or, yeah, so, you know, that's about it. Well, I, I think that in particular, well, if I'm understanding your, your question correctly, when people are, um, yeah. they, they, when the church first started, it seemed like it's like a, almost like a co-op situation. I see the, the oh. emphasis upon the people's needs more so than wants. People that had things, they weren't required uh to, you know, bring things in, to sell their land and do all that kind of stuff. Ananias and Sapphira did it now. You know, there was some some stuff with there. And I like the way the Lord started off by don't play with this situation when we're establishing the church. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to give, give mm-hmm. uh, properly, give, uh, you know, graciously and give honestly. And so one of the things mm-hmm. I see in Acts, uh, especially in 245, where people were taking and selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to all who had any need, uh, I don't see too much of that going on in the church as far as a general principle, but the idea is there that if you do, and I say it this way, the Bible talks about if you have this world's goods and see your brother in need and don't give to him or her, you know, again, consider the situation because there's gains being played even in the church, then that's sin to you. And I, and I, and I, and I of all people, really emphasize the fact that if you do have the needs, you should consider, make, if you do have the means, you should consider what people's needs are, not necessarily get into all their wants. I mean, I did that for my children. I took care of their needs and I considered all they wants and no way in the world you're going to give someone what they want more so than making sure they have their needs met. And there also, Guys, and there, again, there's two, you also have Christian organizations you yeah. have, and you have the church too that uh, individuals should be able to go to in uh, times of needs, uh, whether it's uh, physical, whether it's mental, whether it's uh, whatever the case might be, uh, a Christian should be able 
Well, I should say, you know, a person should be able to go to the local church or uh, um, they have plenty organizations now. And, and like you said, Daryl, a lot of them, you know, they, they don't use that money for what it's supposed to be used. For, but there are some that do. And so um, you have that as well. I think the structure is a lot different from back then than it is now. But the principle is definitely still the same. Oh, Amen, yeah. That is an awesome answer. Uh, you know, just a very nice guy. You know, reminds me of my pops. Uh, my pops is on the way back to L.A., you know, for his birthday the 12th. So shout-outs going out to that. You know, yeah, he man. loves you guys, man. And and also, wow, I was at a Domino's Pizza yesterday, and his brother, tall brother, walks in, gets his pizza. He sees it with the Kobe Bryant T-shirt, and he says, Hey, you and your wife uh, love him? I, I said, well, yeah. He pulls out a cell phone and he shows us a picture at a Christian fellowship with Kobe Bryant and his wife. Okay. I almost fell off the chair. <laughs> okay, you feel like a fan, for I tell you, yeah. Indeed. Man. Indeed. I just wanted to throw that one in there. Go All right, brother. Because I had a, a, a pizza with Coca-Cola and, you know, I, I love caffeine, so I try to Man, you caffeine cats, man, you guys. We, you know, I, I would hate to see you guys without your caffeine, man. You guys going to have the shakes or something like that? Anyway, hey, JR, thank you very much for your phone call, bro. Appreciate you, man. Okay. God bless. Me, I love KJ. you guys, man. You guys keep on rocking. Have a good night. Appreciate you, brother. 888-995-5552. 888-995-5552 is the number. Everything else is Bible Info Brokers, Bible Info Brokers, Facebook, email, tweet, or messenger. Guys, let's go back to the phone call. Let's talk with George from Long Beach, CLBC, I believe it is. George? Yeah. Uh, hi. Um, I'm calling because I was doing some research that the old traditional churches like uh, the Orthodox, Eastern, and the Roman Catholic, which I used to be, um, and I think some of the Protestant traditionals, they're all talking about receiving God's grace through the sacrament. It's called the Means of Grace Doctrine, and I wonder what your opinion is about that. Interesting question. We did talk about the sacraments earlier in the broadcast, but PCH, you want to uh, uh, tackle uh, George's question in, in, in particular? Well, I mean, this is the beginning of the program. I mean, it's a lot for the peace and stuff. But I would say, actually, uh, again, I mentioned some Protestants believe in sacraments, not seven. Um, but, but, even so, the sacraments aren't the means of grace. They can be, in a sense, the means of grace classically defined as the Word of God, studying the Word, prayer, fellowship with the saints, and communion or the Eucharist. Those are the four. Now, for example, in Roman Catholicism, in the so-called seven sacraments, you have enabling grace done at infant baptism. It ends in, in extreme unction, our last rites, but it includes marriage or holy orders or otherwise. So there's a lot of differences there among Christians, even Eastern Orthodox versus Roman Catholic versus Protestant. Classically, I just would say this, a sacrament is defined as three things. It is commanded by God, number one, to do it. Number two, it is visible, tangible, or you can touch it. It's not just a concept, but it's like, you know, communion, you have the wafer and the cup, you can literally hold it, touch it. Baptism, of course, one is, you know, the water. And so it's commanded by God, it's tangible, and number three, it communicates the forgiveness of sins. It's one of the ways we appropriate or are more reminded of the forgiveness of sins. So that's a definition of a sacrament. And so, again, the Church has differing views, 
and uh, you might want to rewind this tape when it's posted up, uh, George, to, to check out the first part because we answered a question from Joy regarding the sacraments right. and people who say, well, I, I just use the sacraments and that truly brings me close to Christ. So I would say, well, the Word of God is not considered a sacrament, but without it, I don't know how you can be close to God because it is the primary revelation. We call it indeed special revelation uh, that we have today that we utilize to grow in our most holy faith. So if you're not reading the Word, um, even though you're quote unquote participating in the other sacraments, However many you define them, I don't know how one can grow to any level of maturity and intimacy with God without spending quality time in the Word of Mm -hmm. God, and of course praying as well that God would open our eyes and give us what we call illumination, the idea to understand and to be able to apply what the Scripture teaches. Indeed, George. That'd be my short of it. I appreciate that, Craig. We did, we did as Craig alluded to, talk about it right about the uh, the ten eighteen mark on the uh, the broadcast. So when it's up and archived, please take an opportunity to check it out. Listen to the answer that we gave to Joy about the ten eighteen mark. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, George. All right. Thank, thank you very you. much, brother. Appreciate you, uh, Brian. Before I give the people an opportunity to participate again, I'm going to bring up Ray because uh, Ray from L.A. wants to talk about. Ray, thanks for holding on and calling yes, in. Yes, Ray here. Hey, Ray, Good how you evening. doing, brother? Praise God. Uh, I'm having a problem making a donation. I'm looking at the screen. Does it have to deal with PayPal? And Brian is going to talk on that, Ray. I appreciate you saying that. I'm, I'm going to have Brian talk to you and then at the same time make a, 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 a you know a, a petition or a plea or a participation uh, possibility for the listening audience in regard to giving. And he's online, I think, right now, Brian. Yeah, I, I think he said, does it have to be by right. PayPal? It does not have to be no, by PayPal. It, it does not have to be by PayPal. You can pay by a credit card, Correct. debit card, or you can just mail okay. in your payment. Uh, I use Windows 10, I- Clicked on arrow left at the top. Oh, wait a minute. I'll tell you what, uh, Ray, why don't we do this? Shipping.com is on my screen. Ray, if you can hold on, I'm going to put you on hold, Ray, and um, I'm going to uh, talk with you in a, in a little bit about how to uh, give online. Go ahead, Brian. Let the people know how they can participate. Yeah, real easy. They can go to Bible Info Brokers. BibleInfoBrokers.com, click on the link that says Donate and Support, and they can give that way by through PayPal, through credit card, through mm-hmm. your debit card, uh, however the case might be, however you want to do it. It's very simple, and uh, you can give that way. Another way is if you want to mail in a, a check, a, a cashier's check, whatever the case might be, make it out to Living by the Word, and you want to mail it to P.O. Box 90477. 90477. That's in Los Angeles, California, 90009. And, and, and as I said in the first hour, we definitely want to thank you for your support. We want to thank you for your prayers and ask that you continue to pray for this ministry and continue to support uh, this radio ministry financially as well. We really appreciate that, Brian. If um, Ray is still having a little difficulty, we're going to try to get to you in a second uh, to give you some you know, instructions how to follow through on that, and maybe it'd be helpful to you. But everyone else, you can follow Brian's instructions online and do, uh, do it as he had told you to. Also, earlier we mentioned about the, the Bible study, we mentioned about Craig's um, questions that you can call in um, or you can actually call in now even while the show is going on or after the show is over and get your question in there so you'll be able to answer it on the Wednesday and if you're so inclined this is day 100 coming up tomorrow so if you 100 days 
I've been following along with the chronological reading. The 100 days tomorrow, folks, if you're 100 days behind, trust, trust me, don't try to catch up with all and just bite the whole watermelon, cut it up in bite-sized pieces. 20 minutes a day get you through the whole Bible chronologically the way I like to read it. So spend 20 minutes a day with the Lord. Uh, the way I suggest is simply listen, read along, and just kind of read it out loud to yourself, you know, as you're doing it, because you have all those gates working for you. You'd be surprised how much of the Bible comes back to your memory. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you memory about his word so that when you're going through your daily life, growing in your most holy faith, you may be able to share the word of God with anybody and everybody you come in contact with. That's just one method of reading the Bible chronologically. You could do that on a Facebook page daily. Day 100 will be tomorrow. So, hey, don't try to catch up all in one day, but at least try to knock it out and get, get caught up in the beginning of the year, we'll start it all over again. But day 100 is coming up tomorrow. Guys, um, why don't we do this? Uh, I had a question, Craig and Brian, earlier, but let me get the phone number out. We do have some open lines at 888-995-5552. 888-995-5552 is the number. And I would like to... Um, let the people know also Bible Info Brokers for Facebook, email, or tweeting us questions. But I talked about uh, a just war, a just war concept uh, in theory, Craig. And the reason why I brought it up is because of all this stuff that's going on in the Ukraine and Russia and all the just the horrific reports I'm, I'm hearing about these things that are happening with civilians and things like that. And, Craig, uh, the things that you do or do not know about this just war concept, my question is, the theory of just war and the ethics about war itself, how biblical are those concepts? And I'll just mention uh, the ones that I, that I see here and I was going over earlier today. And it talks about a war must be for a just cause. The war must be a lawfully declared by a lawful authority. The war must be uh, the intention behind the war must be a good cause. And any 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 all other resolving the problem should be, have been tried first, you know, diplomacy, diplomatic stuff, all those things. Then there must be a reasonable chance of success to actually win the war, not just be warring for warring's sake. It, in this so-called theory of war, Craig, how biblical are those concepts? Well, it depends on the version. There's not just one version of just war. Mm. There's not like a manual. But there is a concept called, yeah, just war theory that uh, Christian ethicists, so those who specialize in ethics and ethical issues and dilemmas, have known about, and it's been around for quite a while. And I think when it's done properly, there's quite a bit of warrant to it. So... The view would be basically that sometimes war is justified. It's always unfortunate. It's We always hope to avoid it at all reasonable cost, uh, but without compromising, for example, uh, biblical truths. So uh, think of Nazi Germany. Look at what they were doing. Uh, they were invading other nations and, and literally wholesale killing people, genocide. Mm-hmm. And so they had to be stopped. So it's not like, well, we want to go to war. We want to lose uh, our lives or our, take others. But sometimes you have no choice. Just like sometimes, well, you need police. When police are doing the job properly, and many times they do just that, uh, you know, they're, they're vital because some people obviously don't play by the rules. They, they'll, they do horrific things to one another. So you have to have police that have the ability to use when necessary. You know, I only say when necessary, deadly force. And, and, to protect somebody, to protect the citizenry, that's the whole big part of what they're to do. So 
Just War Theory has a number of ideas. Is you mentioned some of them. Another one B is you make classically a distinction between combatant and non-combatant. Right, and right, that is, right. And it, and it sounds kind of sterile, but the term of collateral damage by that that, that is all possible that, that non-combatants should not be targeted. Uh, that that's not allowed. It's only combatants. Now you have trouble when you have places like Afghanistan or otherwise. Shield where, using as shields, human shields. Well, people would use well, yeah, they would use citizens as human shields, or they would just simply dress in civilian clothes. Or they would be civilians, but they were still throwing grenades and and stuff like that and killing sol- soldiers. But you know, so classically, though, we make a distinction between combatants and non-combatants, and we there's a number of factors, not just of what allows one to even go to war to begin with, or at least enter into it. Let's say when Japan bombed, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor. Uh, but then how that war is to be engaged. And there's many different versions of it, but uh, many times it's done quite well. I, I believe it's very, very biblical. Again, it's not our favorite topic. It's unfortunate. Right. But sometimes we have no choice. You know, I, I didn't. What's right. I brought it up and I didn't want to ignore it because of all the things that's going on. Because I, I know I've talked to people and, and Christians asking questions, and they're, they're difficult questions in regards to how God was basically okaying wars. And I, I was, I and mean, this was my logic to it. I mean, in my own mind, I was just simply saying that people always question God's being in, an unjust God for the various things He do when He talks about. He have mercy on whom he will have mercy and things like that. But also when he um, rose up nations that he had already judged uh, from his perspective, he already knew the beginning from the end, you know, the um, Alpha and Omega, as it were, and he knows all these things because he's uh, omniscient. But the idea from the human experience, if, if, if God uh, sends uh, the nation to war and he specifically is talking to these uh, the Israelites back in the day, and then they go in there and fight and they don't do what God would have them to do. I'm thinking about Saul and how he did not do all that God was having to do. But when you think about it from a human perspective, it's a very difficult thing to see that this loving, merciful, and you know, just God will have war until uh, a nation to go wipe out the whole nation. And from our perspective, a human perspective, I can see what people question it. But from the perspective of God being a just God, I mean, a loving God who's not going to be wrong in regards to it. Craig, how do we just, can you just lay some knowledge on how we can rationalize that in our mind? Well, I really don't want to put it that way. Rationalize. Well, I, I mean, a better word, better word, or not. Like a better term. It, it's really a complicated t- subject, and I've actually written on it. And there's a number of books and articles. But the point is, we're simplistic at times. Mm-hmm. Look, some of these nations were involved in bestiality, yes. human sacrifice. They were abusing their children and otherwise did horrific things. And so God calls them to task. And where else would God judge nations? They, they here, and so some nations as a whole are so wicked and doing such evil upon their own citizenry and at the surrounding communities or countries or city-states or what have you at large, that the judgment has to come. And so God uses other nations, just like we use a police department at times, or let's say raid a, a, a drug house or mm-hmm. some place where some you know criminal activities are going. 
going on. And again, I'm not talking about abuses. I'm not right. talking about when things are done in, improperly, but a legitimate use of that force and the police power. So we talk and indeed look at the, the title. The one name for some military actions is called, you know, police police powers or, you know, policing, if you will. We carry that term over. But in a war, there 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 are excuse me there are t- nations that are so wicked that God brings about judgment and yeah you could do it directly but one of the ways He does that is often raise up nations against them to to deal with them or to bring them to account. So Adolf Hitler was I mean we killed you know six to eight million people because of his policies. He had to be stopped, and so God used the so-called Allied forces or powers to come against him and to bring him to in Nazi Germany to judgment. And then you see that specifically in the Nuremberg trials starting in 1945. Uh, so sometimes people, oh, well, that's not nice. Look, some, of course, some things are not nice, and deadly force has to be used. If, if, look, if I'm in a parking lot, some guy's taking a baseball bat to a Grandma Frida's head, mm-hmm. uh, and I, if I have to use deadly force to stop him, I mean, do I want to do that? No, but I'm, right. I'm going to let him crack her skull. I mean, this stuff happens. We need to quit being so naive. There are people who will rip your head off that will kill you. I mean, let's get real here. Um, not everybody's nice and just needs some couch time or a time out. There are people who, that's why we put them in jail, and we don't let them out because they are a menace to society, to their own families and others. And so sometimes force is necessary because people aren't always reasonable. You can't just reason with people. That's why I chuckle at many of these politicians and judges. I want to put some of the people they want to let out of jail. Okay, let them out of jail. They're going to live next to you. And let's see how you deal with that when they start attacking you and your family. So we need to be realistic, but again, we could do it more another time. There's a lot of book, really good books right, and right. articles on this, uh, dealing with not only just war theory, which you were asked about originally, but how do you deal with when God says basically to take these nations or peoples to account? How do we deal with that? Indeed. And uh, there are some really good answers, I would argue, to that. You know, the last, the last one I made, we will talk about it when we get an opportunity, because it's a, it's a huge subject, and I, and I didn't know that. I know we weren't going to try to exhaust it uh, today because of time and just because the idea to take up three shows but the i've just i just always come back to my mind where god told the israelites one time in a sense that he was going to use uh, the babylonians to take the israelites into exile and god told them no do not fight go into exile in other words surrender as it were and all those things are always quite interesting to me but when god is giving you the instruction you know like that that's the advantage where do we then draw the line at and we could talk about that another time in regards to human beings and I'm saying things like this just war theory and things like that, that we have to have that biblical construct on what we should be doing and how we have to participate and why we should or should not participate. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy, heavy, heavy subject, and it's uh, something I don't want people not to not think about, but just to you know, kind of ponder and then get into it. You, you know, it's funny. I mean, I was out trying to help uh, the other gentleman on the phone, but... Yeah, I, so I don't really know how the conversation was going, mm-hmm. but just listening to what you're saying, it's you know, God God does things His way, <laughs> and it's just a matter of being obedient. And I think about, um, I think about Lazarus, and you know, good friend of Jesus, and what happened was, you know, Jesus intentionally didn't come. Uh, right away 
when, you know, the sister's called, right. hey, you know, our, our brother's sick, you know, we need you over here. And, you know, they knew that Jesus healed people. They know that he had, um, uh, he's done tons of miracles and everything else and knew that all Jesus had to do was uh, just lay his hands on Lazarus and he'd, he'd, he'd become well, but he had a different purpose. He had different, he had something else in mind. It was his way. He wanted to show the miracle of raising him from the dead after being dead for four days. And so it says he common tactic of Jesus, you know, even with the blind man where he said, uh, this man, you know, what they said, who's, what is it? Who's sin? him and his parents. And then Jesus, you know, kind of made the correction saying, it's not a matter of anybody sinning, but yet for God, uh, to be glorified in this situation like that. So we, what God is going to, he's going to get his glory. We're talking about sovereign God. And that's what these nations are dealing with as though they're sovereign. That means they can just do anything and everything. And the answer is no. Uh, as far as the nations are concerned, the answer to God is yes, but he'll never act outside of his character. And I, I think we've talked about that um, many times before as far as God. And, and you know, and as we qu- people question, I see all throughout the Bible how people want to question God. Is he just? Is he a just God? They talk about the injustice of God. And it it's always an interesting subject to me. Yeah, it was funny, too, just, uh, just from the movie, like I, I mentioned earlier about the Ten Commandments. You know, was that with the guy uh, back in the fifties, Charlton Heston? Yeah, what, Char- what, what, what Charlton Heston. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was like, like, like you know, uh, there's, there's, there's no water out here in the desert. You know, God's going to desert you, or, uh, you know, uh, God led you to the water. You know, He's not going to now. Now you're dead, that kind of thing. And it's like, you know what? God has the answer, and God will get you through it. You know, according to His will. Indeed, indeed. You have a question for us, Brian? Well, let me get yeah. the number out real quick. We have some open lines with another about 13, 14 minutes left in the broadcast. Folks, take an opportunity to call in at 888-995-5552. 888-995-5552. Our Bible Info Brokers for Facebook, email, or tweet. About 13 minutes left in the broadcast. This, oh. is, this is from Timothy. He says, is the idea of, and this is in quote, you will own nothing and be happy. Is it actually a biblical he has perspective, but um, I get what he's saying. Greg? Well, I really don't know the context. I mean, no, that's not biblical. I mean, it, Paul talks about, for example, that he's learned in all states to be content. Yeah, he talks about that, for example, in Philippians. So whether he's, he's, he's living high in the hog, as we say, or is really down and out literally, he's content. He's not looking to material possessions and things to make find his happiness, contentment, or joy. And so uh, that's the goal, whether on the base or on the bounding, uh, Paul has joy in the Lord. That's the idea that our, our joy should be transcend our circumstances. But it's it's not that we have to so-called delight in having nothing, although some people can get by on very little and are content. Even think of the little thing, I forget what they call it, but the people who want to live in these really small houses, they're like sometimes 400 feet, you know, square feet or mm-hmm. five, six hundred, literally the whole house in quotes. And and they're quite fine with that. So it's being able to live, though, in any circumstances. What matters ultimately is that we're dedicated to God and we're not clinging to uh, our finances or our toys, possessions, if you will. So I don't think it's just a question of, we're, we're not monks, I mean, uh, or what's called aesthetics, into aestheticism. Right. Not 
not not aesthetics in the sense of beauty, but asceticism, excuse me, I mispronounced that, of the idea of just flagellating yourself or living in, in, in you know, real lack of want or wearing a camel hair coat or something like Abject that. Abject poverty, as they say. Abject poverty. <laughs> Right, so there, there is, but it's, it's just knowing what really your life is all about. So it's better to be faithful to God, and if need be, have very little, if anything. So let me give you an example. What would we do if America starts cracking down, and they, they, we, they, more and more, there's a push going towards digital, you know, money, uh, bitcoins or otherwise, um, you know. And 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 then basically shutting people down or taking their money if they believe you're doing things that are illicit. I don't mean selling drugs or murdering people, but I mean like outlawing Christianity. I think mm-hmm. it's it's going to come to that, and then yep. one will stand to lose some of us who've you know bought homes and have poured our you know our money into them to to have an investment and a place to live, losing all that. If need be, you have to be willing to let all that go: your retirement, your home. It, it should the Lord call you to that? You don't just have to sell your house and live like a pulper, but if it should come to that, if it's following God or the government wants you to compromise, and they said, we're going to take everything, we're going to close or compensate your bank accounts and all your real and personal property, are you willing to do that and to live in light of eternity if God should call you to that? Well, two things I know for sure about all the stuff we're talking about is this, your your hurts will not be followed by you all. Number one, so you're not taking it with you. And number two, those that have it even now, as we live, it has the big T sign on it. It's temporary. Temporarily, nothing to do with eternity. Exactly. Brian, you have another question for us? Yeah, this comes from Dan. He wanted to know our views on the new Supreme Court judge. Is this the um, Facebook? This is on This is on Facebook. Facebook, okay. Yeah. And who was that, Dan? Yeah, Dan. Okay. Greg, you have any views on that whole um, new um, Supreme Court person? Because I have one simple view, and I think that we did ourselves an injustice, and I don't, I don't think – well, I'll put it this way. Uh, and I'm going to send it to you guys to take a look at it. Uh, Pastor Cooper had wrote a nice piece on it. He wrote a beautiful piece on his uh, Facebook or something. I get an email that says it's a Facebook message. And I read his, his message about this situation. And what he was suggesting, uh, Pastor Cooper being a, a black man himself, was suggesting the black community understand this, that even though there's a black woman now sitting in the Supreme Court, we have to remember that one was denied and filibustered back, uh, I think, during the Bush, I forget which Bush it was, when Bush was trying to bring another black woman on uh, as a Supreme Court judge, mm-hmm. and it was filibustered by Biden himself. So I find it mm-hmm. a big, I, I don't want to use the word hypocritical. Craig, you might want to use that word. I say the big words for you is three syllables. I can't spell it. But the idea is the same guy that's going to purport being a black female Pre that, and I mean, you're going to overlook anybody and everybody else. I think that was a personal mistake in history, and history will prove itself to be a mistake because you don't want to set that kind of precedent at all. And then, especially if you're the same cat, you're the same guy that filibustered a black woman because she was on a conservative bent. PCH, what say you? We have about four well, minutes left. I'm glad you brought that up. That's really important. And to me, and I mean, there's a number of issues here, but uh, my problem with her is, is for example, the ruling she's had on pedophiles. Mm-hmm. She's given them incredibly lean sentences and sometimes even lower than the federal guidelines or standards. And then in explaining that, she gave some, to me, unintelligible, totally 
boneheaded responses to why she did that. And uh, so that, I have a real problem with that. Uh, holding the critical race theory is another, another issue. Um, so uh, there's, there's some, some factors, and she was trying to explain why she ruled. She, couldn't even, she wouldn't even define what a woman I'm is. I'm glad you said it. Well, I, I, I was going to give you that one. I was going to give you that one, too. I, I know why she wouldn't do it. Because of course. Of the hot potato, because of the day of transgenderism mm-hmm. and trans everythingism. Man. She didn't want to go go there, but it, but think of this: Let's say you're going to you're dealing with the Title IX and Title VII. Most people don't know about Title VII, but the deal with equal funding and opportunity, for example, for women in sports. Look at the mockery of the stuff going on with the transgender stuff, and people having swimmers having to compete against Leah Thomas, the transgender. Yeah. I mean, it was just crushing all the records. It was rated 442nd or 6th swimmer in the men's category, but now it's just crushing the women. But, but if, you, if you can't define a woman, then how could you say that they're being uh, discriminated against, against exactly. based upon Title IX violations? So, see, here's my point. I didn't just come up with some goofy argument. This is a, this is a standard legal issue. If you can't define a woman, you couldn't define who's being discriminated versus t- Title IX holding. So it, I, I just I have such trouble with, with stuff like that, where it is in the hypocrisy. Like you said, Biden totally, uh, they uh, totally... Blew it. Um, Blew it. You know, well, yeah, the, um, what's the word I want? Filibuster, you yeah. know, the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, because she was conservative. Exactly. So they didn't want a conservative to, to be a, the first black woman Supreme Court justice. So I don't have a problem with someone's ethnicity. I believe there's only one race. Of course. So I use the term ethnicity. But I have issues with their holdings and then some of the silly things that are said. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, um, it's in place now. Let's see what happens. Craig, give me your final thought. Brian, you give me your final thought. We only have about 90 seconds, guys. Uh, One thing I I was going to bring up, but I'm going to bring it up next next week, and it's pretty sad. Abortion leading cause of death in 2021, third (laughs) year in a row. Wow. And other statistics with this. So it's it's pretty bad, just on top of what we were just talking about. It's just snowballing one thing after another after another. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Indeed. Thanks for coming back, Brian. Thanks for having me back. You you, you will have. Uh, Craig, you better take a break after this uh, last thought you have. Thank you. you know, it's just, exactly. One needs to get right with God if one doesn't know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Christians need to start living in light of eternity. If you're investing in here now like this is the be-all, end-all, you're going to be sorely disappointed when you get to heaven, I believe, because you didn't. I plan for retirement in the sense of ultimate retirement of eternity with God. Live in light of eternity, and we, could the church needs to rise up and be salt and light in this generation. There's so much wickedness and evilness going on. We can make a difference. We can, and we should, by the grace and power of God. Indeed. And the music, ladies and gentlemen, you hear in the background is letting us know that we're coming to the end of the broadcast. And for the whole team, we really appreciate that. Keep Eric and all of us in your prayers as individuals and also collectively as a ministry. Jerry, thank you very much for your fine engineering, brother. We appreciate you. Uh, again, just simple as this. Read the Word of God so you can study the Word of God, so you can do the Word of God, so you can live by the Word of God. It's just that simple. The Word of God is the key in your life. It should be the key in your life, but you don't know what that is saying. You don't know what to do if you're a believer if you don't get into the Word. So please 
please get into the Word so you can live by the Word. And on behalf of the whole team, my name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton. Who am I, Brian, Mama Grace, and Big Daddy's baby boy, saying if the Lord is willing, we'll be back next week with more of the Bible Information Brokers. God bless you, and prayerfully, we'll see you next week. <laughs>